Welcome back to the What's My Play Sports Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Justin. And we're going to be talking today about some of the more recent news in the NFL as well as the upcoming Super Bowl. So right off the bat, you hear that stuff about Brian Flores suing the Giants, Broncos, and NFL? Yeah, everyone in the NFL is stupid because that man is a hell of a head coach. That Dolphins team should never have been above 500 over the last three years, and he did it. More than necessary. That team was led by Brian Flores. Like, yeah, it, it, it's, it sounds like it came down to just uh, pushback between uh, the Dolphins and the Flores as to who controls um, building the roster and everything. Brian Flores wants complete control of the organization, sort of like how Bill Belichick does it up in New England, and they didn't, and the Dolphins want to have kind of a separation of roles and management. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's tough to argue with a head coach that won eight games in a row. Yeah, like, it, it, you look at Bill Belichick, and you're like, hey, you don't get full control of our roster, but you can do whatever the hell you want. You're going to look at that thought and be like, well, if you're the head coach and you're running everything, he should. He, he's, he's in the middle of everything. He sees his players, he knows who and who shouldn't have minutes and who does this and that. And then you got all these guys in the background playing... Jerry Jones thinking that, oh, I don't actually know anything about the sport, but I have a shit ton of money. I should just be able to choose the roster myself. And it's like, let the guy who knows the game and understands rotations within the offense and defense and understands, you know, the flow of the game. You got all these guys that think just because they have money, they can dictate the yeah, team. Like, I, I'm not even sure if it's so much the owners per se. Um, I... I think it may be the, G the GM having a say in the roster, but not Brian Flores. And at the end of the day, you're 100% right. The, the the football minds, the people that know how to run a football team, how to build a football team, the guys that are in the locker room every day and know the type of character that they're looking for, know the type of talent and skill that they're looking for, those need to be the guys that make roster decisions. I understand GMs, and there are great GMs out there that understand the game, but the best GMs are the ones that listen to their head coach as well. 100%. Uh, just because I know we're in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard, he listens to what Frank Reich says, and they both make they both work together to make decisions for the team. Um, even if Brian Flores wasn't given complete control, um, the Dolphins weren't even willing to let him kind of work together with the GM to make those decisions. Yeah. And that's, that's just lunacy in my I mind. I think it's crazy when you think about the fact too, that Brian Flores has had this Dolphins roster at around like a 500 record for the last couple of years. And outside of Xavier Howard, I don't think there is a guy on this Dolphins roster that is even like pro bowl consideration. Like we're talking about a lot of guys that are like no, no one's, now, I'm not saying anyone on their team is bad or anything like this and that, but outside of Xavier and Howard, the Dolphins do not bring a superstar really to any position in their roster. But Brian Flores was still able to bring a team like the Dolphins to a very solid record when you're considering that your team mm -hmm. is being led by a second-year quarterback that has a lot of question marks. And your best offensive weapon is a rookie receiver coming out of Bama. Yeah, it's like well, albeit Jalen Waddle, I would argue is incredible. On, yeah, yeah, he's he's on his way to being a star in the league. Oh yeah, but it's like when you're when you're telling me your best options 
in your offense are a what Miles Gaskin, who honestly was was in and out of the lineup all year, and then your only real consistent receiver was Jalen Waddle getting the ball from Tua, and you're still able to come with a respectable record being around 500 like mm-hmm. that is a really good coaching job i i believe yeah. in my opinion and, and, and that's that that's why this is such a glaring thing um in terms of the lawsuit that brian flores is bringing in front of those two teams uh the broncos and the giants as well as the nfl we're talking to um, terrible teams yeah, well th- th- that's like, that's that's not what i'm getting at it, it, it shines a lot more because of how good brian flores is as a coach he should be one of the first guys that's getting interviewed for these positions and instead teams are making uh hires before they interview him and then they interview him afterwards to check off a box for the rooney rule which requires teams to interview minority coach or minority candidates for roles in the team um and it 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 is baffling in my eyes that that four teams have already hired head coaches and one of them's not brian flores i think the only candidate out there realistically that may have uh a better track record and probably has a better prospect as a head coach is maybe Doug Peterson because he's won a Super Bowl. That's probably the one candidate that should be considered higher. I I, I can understand Dable to an extent, but the other ones, Eberflus, um, Nathaniel Hackett, Josh McDaniels, he he had his run, but I I mean, it was Detroit, so it's hard to say. Josh McDaniels is a guy that... In certain aspects, I can understand why people look at him because... Being the offensive coordinator for the Patriots for so long when that team was, you know, just running the league year after year, his track record looked incredible because that team was so good. And so teams mm-hmm. want to give him a try. So I can understand why you look at his resume and think that he's the guy. But there's so many other people that are getting considered over Brian Flores that don't even have a resume to begin with. Like... We're talking random yeah. offensive coordinators for teams that didn't even have a great offensive year, like guys that yeah. didn't prove themselves. While Brian Flores has proved himself year after year. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate, but Brian Flores, I, I I'm fairly confident in saying that some of these people hiring for a head coaching position aren't considering him because of the color of his skin. Racism I, is a thing in the NFL. It's a thing everywhere, bro. It's fucked up. Yeah, it, 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 it really is. And at the end of the day, um, he, he should be considered. And for him to not even be considered for positions, um, it, it, either, it either takes somebody looking down on somebody because of the color of their skin, or they are really just clueless. And shouldn't be running an NFL team. I want to give a round of applause to the the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos because they're going to be in another decade of mediocrity because they obviously have hadn't had a good head coach in a long time. On top of Uh, that, their hiring coaches have not been great recently, and they yeah I I I, start I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the horses on the Giants. I do think Dable is going to be really good. Um, I. Dable has done a fantastic job with the uh, offensive side of the ball for the Bills, helping develop 
Josh Allen a little bit as well. Um, I think we can both agree, as you mentioned, Josh McDaniels. Nathaniel Hackett, I do question that a little bit. I'm not 100% sure. And I know that the Colts have been considered to have a really good defense the last few years. But Matt Everflus, I don't believe, in my opinion at least, he's done a lot to improve that defense. It's just there's a lot of stars on talent. that. Yeah, there's a lot of talent. There's oh stars gosh. on that defense with DeForest, DeForest Buckner, Buckner, Darius Leonard. Oh um, the Colts defense should have been much better this year than it was. I know that they occasionally were missing a player here and there, but they were they were mediocre outside of the turnovers that Darius Leonard was forcing. Yeah. Um, and and so, of... so for him to be getting considered for a job and Brian Flores nowhere near that job, uh, I think that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, 100%. Um, moving on to a different topic, the Super Bowl coming up. The Bengals are just a team of destiny. Yeah, at this point, like, I want to go back to... You know, Patrick Mahomes got drafted by the Chiefs, spent his entire first year not playing. Second year, got the start and just had himself an MVP caliber season. Took him to the Super Bowl. We got Joe Burrow coming off of a torn ACL, having himself an MVP type season, taking him to the Super Bowl. He's throwing the ball to T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. I mean... You got Joe Mick. I mean, outside of the O line that has a lot of questions, mm -hmm. this Bengals offense is just yeah. stacked with weapons. skill positions. They're stacked and they're stacked with young talent. Oh yeah, so they they're 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 gonna they're they're gonna be good for years to come. Mm -hmm. The key is they need to get some offensive linemen in there because Burrow is every <laughs> single game he's getting sacked five, got, six, seven times. Sorry, they put who the Bengals the, the against the Titans. Yeah, the they got Nine times against the, the Titans. Titans. That's yeah. insane. Your and they and they still won. Yeah, your star quarterback should not be getting sacked nine times after coming back from a torn ACL his rookie season. You should be doing something to protect him. Obviously, people were upset that they drafted Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. Jamar Chase silenced all of those criticisms this year. Jamar Chase's rookie season was beyond phenomenal. I mean, him and Justin, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, their two rookie seasons these last two years were the best things you have seen in decades. Yeah. yeah, like they, they are insane. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's connection for years to come is going to be phenomenal. I mean, they are going to, I truthfully believe this. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to find themselves in the names of Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison and Tom Brady and Gronk. Like, Jamar Chase... Joe Montana and, and yeah, Jerry Rice. Yeah. yeah. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to play together yeah. for a long just, time, and just, they are going to dominate yeah. together. They just, are incredible. Just to give people the stat line, just from the regular season alone, 81 receptions, 1,455 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Absolutely ludicrous stats. Yeah. Even if you take away the 17th game that was played just on an average game basis you're still looking at 75 receptions 1370 yards 12 touchdowns i mean that is an unreal stat line for a receiver let alone a rookie receiver and you also got to remember the fact that this Bengals offense is not just force feeding jamar chase t higgins had himself in a really good year the Over second a thousand half, yards yeah. the second half of the year 
T. Higgins was the top 10 receiver in the NFL. The second mm -hmm. half of the year, T. Higgins was incredible. Tyler Boyd is yep. nothing but just pure just consistency. Tyler yep. Boyd brings well, exactly what Ty you need. Tyler, every Tyler Boyd is the perfect wide receiver, too, for most teams. And he's really the third option. Oh, yeah. And he still had 800 yards, five touchdowns, and 67 receptions. Yeah. Still had a solid season. He's third on the team posting second receiver numbers for the majority of the, the NFL. Yeah. On top of what? Joe Mixon had 1,200 rushing yards this year. He was third in the NFL in rushing yards this year. Yep, 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground. Their offense is just so explosive. They are yeah. just – just the way they have brought their team up into the Super Bowl – there's just so much momentum backing this team right now that it sh it just looks great. Yeah. And I I do I do want to kind of mention the coaching in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor uh, has been incredible. He he's been this he's year. been really good. It's been a huge turnaround. But let's just look at the AFC Championship game alone. Going from the first half of just getting smoked to making changes on the fly at halftime. And they completely shut down the Chiefs in the second I half. Think, I think it was the I think it was just three points on that final drive, and that was it. I think I it's one thing though to note if you look at the Bengals season, they have had a track record of slow starts. They've had yeah. a lot of really slow starts, which seems to happen with this team, but I mean as they they make great the adjustments. Gets, yeah, as yeah. soon as the ball gets rolling in this offense, you can't stop it. There's just yeah, too many so, options. So, and oh my god! Yeah, there, there, there is some, there, there is something to be said about they, they do need to improve on probably pre-game preparation. Yeah, because um, yeah, they, gotta, they found themselves behind in yeah, a lot of games, they and they were down a lot in yeah. a lot of those. Especially when you're going to the Super Bowl against a team like the Rams that have, you know, the best defensive player in the NFL in Aaron Donald. You know, a bona fide top three cornerback in the league in Jalen Ramsey. Like, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's flip over to the Rams team as a whole real quick. Like, I mean, uh, just top, top top to bottom, they're just extremely well rounded. They got yeah. stars everywhere. Um, they 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 mortgaged their whole entire future to, to build win. this roster, yeah. but it really is built to win. Like the. I, I do believe the Rams should be the favorites. It's just the Bengals have that feel feeling yeah. of like destiny. And it, it's um, one of those things too, where like I love Matthew Stafford. He is great. He has been, especially now that he's joined the Rams, and you really get to see him perform without a trash Lions team behind him. Obviously, you know, a couple of years with Calvin Johnson, him and Calvin Johnson screwed the league. But obviously, the rest of the team couldn't go up with them. But like. I mean, he has been nothing short of spectacular for the Rams this year. He has done everything and more that they wanted him to do. But, I mean, if we're being honest, I know this is a little bit like, you call it by whatever you want to call it, but like the moxie and the swag that Joe Burrow brings with them into these games, it just, I feel like it breathes confidence into the rest of that roster. Like, there's, there's a level of like, when you have like a star player on your team that just did you mean to say Matthew Stafford there? No, I was talking about Joe. Oh, so you jumped you jumped back over to yes. the ankles. I, as much <laughs> as I love Matthew Stafford and his consistent and great as I think he is, I, I just feel like in a big time game like the Super Bowl, I'm expecting Joe Burrow to show up and ball out. I mean, he I 
I know, obviously, I, I will say the Rams have a much better defense than the Bengals. And that's going to be, I think, the big caveat to the game is how well the Bengals defense can stop that, the Rams because the Rams yeah. offense is explosive. Well, yeah, that that that's kind of my thing is like... I find it hard to believe that Cincinnati will be able to move the ball consistently with Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald getting basically free lines at Joe Burrow all day. Because that off that offensive line for Cincinnati, I have to imagine they're going to struggle pretty badly with the Rams' defensive line. I and I, if, if Cincinnati can't slow them down on the offensive end, they're screwed. The one thing I will say that the, Chief, or the, the Bengals did a really good job in the second half against the Chiefs is... They 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 did a really good job at shutting Chandler Jones down, I and mean, they did really. Or I just said the wrong person. Am I tripping or not? You said. Uh, are Are you talking about on the defensive end? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I, th- I believe Chandler, Chandler Jones. Jones is the the Chiefs defensive end, right? Yeah, I believe so. I'll I'll, I'll look it up real quick. But anyway, you were saying. Yeah, it, they did a really good job in the because I mean first half it was. It was the normal Bengals game. Their offensive line was not helping Joe. He was running out of the pocket every uh, other half. They spent the whole first half relying on Joe Mixon to run the ball because they couldn't get Joe Burrow enough time to get a good, clean pass. Yeah, Chris Jones. Chris Jones, okay. It, it's just one of those things where I think th- there's just so much momentum coming from a, coming with the Bengals into this game that I fully expect it to be a shootout, but like, it, I don't know, I, I truthfully just, I, I love the way Joe Burrow is playing right now. I mean, the confidence he has in the pocket to make some of these passes that he's making, and I mean, the, the last game against the Chiefs, T. Higgins high-pointing the ball, there aren't too many DBs in the league that can handle a six foot four athletic T. Higgins going up on some of these but passes. Do, do you think Joe Burrow's going to have enough time, though? That, that's the question. But, I mean, again, that second half against the Chiefs, they did great at keeping Joe Burrow alive in the pocket and giving him the time to make the passes he needed to. And I think that will be the caveat of the game. They'll have to make sure their O-line gives him enough time. But, I mean, again... that That's the thing, though. And that's why I, I do think the Rams are going to win. They they need that to happen just for them to have a chance yeah. because I I know the I know the Bengals did a great job against the Chiefs but the Chiefs you and me have kind of talked about this before the podcast they're very one dimensional in the way their offense plays Andy Reid is a brilliant offensive mind but he's just not a flexible offensive mind he goes with what works yeah and, and then the last and, three years yeah Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey it, exactly the, the Rams it's a very different beast because they got multiple guys that can run the ball they got a solid tight end but they got two wide receivers on the outside plus Van Jefferson which stretches the field and quite frankly I I'm not sure how much you can do to stop Cooper Cup without just straight up putting two guys on him and do you really are you really that much better off leaving OBJ in single coverage with no safety deep? It, 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 I mean, I think it depends on how you want to look at it. Because truthfully, I mean, you look at how Jesse Bates played in that Bengals Chiefs game, and I mean, he was locked down in coverage. I mean, they looked great. Obviously, you, I, know, you got Eli Apple running his freaking mouth all over Twitter, acting like he shut down Tyree Kill in the second half. 
The only person guarding Tyree Kill in that half was Jesse Bates. Yeah, Jesse Bates was really good. He but looked incredible. I, I do think if it's one-on-one between Cooper Cup and Jesse Bates, I think Cooper Cup gets the better end of the stick majority of the time. Uh, I, I just think Cooper Cup has so many different ways of getting open. I also think the uh, whereas Tyree Kill is very one-dimensional. The Rams also run... I think way, just way more complex schemes. I mean, I feel like you see a lot of just just straight go routes with the Chiefs. I mean, you'll see Meikle Hardman and Tyreek Hill running deep down the sidelines, and then you have Travis Kelsey trying to get open in the middle. Like, they were very one-dimensional with, obviously you have to guard three different threats, but it's like you know what they're all going to be going for. They run a lot of the same similar schemes, but I... Again, like this is a lot of speculation. I mean, no one knows who's what's gonna happen. Obviously, I'm pretty sure favorites. The Rams are like minus two hundred something to the Bengals, are like plus two sixty something. Like it's like a very it's a decent sized margin and expectations of the Rams to win. It's also been those expectations the entire playoff run for the Bengals. The Bengals have been the underdog in pretty much every game in the playoffs except maybe the first game. But they were minus, it was like the Chiefs were minus 450 to plus 300 something against the Bengals, and the Bengals still managed to win it. I just think that the firepower that that offense brings, as much as their defense lacks on certain aspects, I don't think it's a stretch to assume that the Bengals are going to score a lot of points as well. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Anyways, let's just get to it. Rams versus Bengals, what's your prediction? Scoreline and all. I think the Bengals take it 20... That's a tough... I think they win it 26-21. I think... A, the Bengals are the best kicker in football. Money Mac is the GOAT right now. (laughs) He is electrifying. This is why you draft a rookie kicker. He is incredible this year. And honestly, I, I just think that they're, they're going to find a way to make it a close game, and I'm putting my money on Money Mac to hit some game-winning field goals. That's the way I'm looking at gotcha. it right now. I, I'm, I have a very different take on this. I think the Rams run away with it. I, I have it being 37-20. to 20. Um, I, I do think that... Uh, the Bengals, like they have for most of the postseason, will score in the 20s, um, but I don't see it getting much beyond that. And I just don't think the Bengals' defense, for as good as it's been, I don't think they're going to be able to stop how diverse and how um, eclectic, really, the offense for the Rams is. Um Stafford can hit just about anyone. They got four receiving weapons that are that can absolutely kill you. They got two different running backs that are very dynamic in Sony Michelle and Cam Akers. Cam Akers this playoffs has looked electrifying. Outside of the the fumble issues that he's had, mm-hmm. I mean he his first step has been incredible. He has looked so quick and dynamic out of the backfield, coming back from a torn Achilles after what 
seven months after seven eight months after the torn Achilles. Yeah, that that's the big thing. Like I know that the stats weren't great against the 49ers, but they're always a physical team that yeah. you're gonna struggle to run the ball against a little bit. But it's it it, it really is that first step where he the, the explosiveness of yeah, that first step he... is something else. And I think another thing I like to note is. I mean, he came back, and the Rams didn't miss a beat. It wasn't like he came back, and they were slow to get him involved. I mean, him and him and Sony Michelle and Cam Akers' first game back basically split touches, and then basically second game on the playoffs after it's been Cam Akers. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing: I know the stats say that he's only averaging two and a half yards a carry in the playoffs. He's way uh, they played the box. They played. The 49ers, two top, top teams. But when he has found that little bit of space, which is very difficult against those defenses, he's looked explosive and he's yeah. looked really good. And let's let's be clear, the Bengals' run defense is nowhere near the level no, of the Bucks or the Another 49ers. thing that I kind of want to point out that I think is just like something you got to think about with the confidence they have in Cam Akers. I mean, you look at the season that Daryl Henderson had in the first half, and then the way that Sony Michelle closed out the second half, they both played like good starters in the NFL. Cam Akers mm-hmm. came back and they did not care. He came back and they're like, "This is our guy." And I mean, he yeah, he's I, shown it. He's a lot there. of it has to be about that offensive line. Like it, it gives them time. And another thing that this that Bengals have to do to have a chance is they have to get pressure on Stafford. If they don't get pressure on Stafford, it's game over. Yeah. Um, and that offensive line has done a really good ja- job for the Rams this year, uh, especially in the playoffs as well. So, uh, other than that, any other topics that you really want to hit on from the NFL over the last couple of weeks? Um, I think a big thing that I kind of want to just like mention. It's not so much a topic of like like statistics or anything, but the uh, the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes going on right now. You know, where, where do you think Aaron Rodgers ends up? I mean, he's got a couple different destinations that people are kind of speculating right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I do ultimately think the most likely place is for him to stay in Green Bay. I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, it's going to take a lot to move him, um, and ideally i think he's gonna try to fight for Devonte adams no matter where he goes and mm-hmm. green bay's not just gonna let him up because they have that franchise tag which Devonte adams sounds like he's ready to sit out the season for yeah. um i truthfully but believe there I, are three teams in the nfl that i truthfully believe have a shot or four teams truthfully that have a shot at landing him this season i think obviously the packers because a, obviously, you know, most of the season he said, I don't want to come back here. Like, this is my last season in Green Bay. Also, as the regular season ended, he also said that this had been his favorite season in the entire, like, his entire career in the NFL. This was his favorite season. It's kind of hard to hear a player say this was their favorite season they had in the NFL and still want to walk away from his team after that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, outside of that, the three teams, I think, that have a realistic shot at him are... The Broncos, just because, I mean, any big-name quarterback that's on the move, the Broncos are one of the top teams on the list for them. You have a great receiving, young receiving core, solid young running backs. 
Like, it's just a team that, you know, they're a piece or two away from being contender, and I could see Rodgers thinking if he goes there that they could continue to push. The Colts, I mean, again, the Colts are a solid quarterback away from Super Bowl contention. I mean, not a shot at Carson Wentz by any means. He was not out of pocket any any way this season, but I mean, yeah, I he, think he, he, there's he a different... had a He had a good season, but it... There's wasn't a, an elite yeah, season. There's a difference between Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers. Like it's just that yeah. simple. And then the third team that I think has an outside shot at them is Pittsburgh, and it's solely because Big Ben costed them forty percent of their salary cap. So if anything, Pittsburgh is a team that I truthfully <sighs> believe Juju Smith Schuster is going to sign somewhere else this offseason. I don't think Pittsburgh brings him back. And if Pittsburgh finds a way to get themselves into the Rodgers sweepstakes, they will have the money to bring in Devontae Adams as well. And that's the thing that I think Rodgers is looking for with a team outside of the Packers is a team that can bring him and Adams in together. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I I simply think it's going to be down to the Broncos and the Colts if he goes anywhere. Um, the Broncos, obviously, they've done it before with Peyton Manning. They got a lot of solid talent at the skill positions between Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Font, CJ Hamler, um, KJ. or KJ Hamler. Um, Tim Patrick was Tim a Patrick right was, shot, he, right spot of that team yeah. this year. He looked great. He, 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 he has Tyler Boyd vibes yeah. with, with the way he plays. He's a very yeah. large target. <laughs> he's like, Six he's, four, yeah. yeah. He's a big guy, good hands. Not the world's greatest athlete or the world's greatest route runner, but yeah, I mean, when you're it, six it, four and good hands, yeah, you don't it, have it, to be Chris. It's, Bond. it's a good like, third down option. Yeah. So, and I will say, I know the Melvin Gordon is a free agent this year, and I would expect him to sign elsewhere because honestly, I expect the, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Javante Williams is yeah, so good. I expect the Broncos to mm-hmm. give Javante Williams the keys to the city. I mean, he looked yeah. electric but, when he got the ball this But going, going back to the other team, the Colts, um, obviously there's the there's the whole Aaron Rodgers Pat McAfee connection which is a starter and Pat McAfee's kind of an ambassador for the Colts. Yeah. But Jim Irsay's tweet that he sent out saying, "Hey, we're no longer going to band-aid the quarterback position." Um for those of you that did not hear, he's basically saying we're no longer going to try to f- find guys that just kind of fill gaps. Now, they're not 100% sure if Wentz is going to be that guy or not in the future. But what they're basically saying is if we can upgrade the quarterback position, even if we have to give away a lot to do so, um, they're willing to do it. Now, I do question whether or not Chris Ballard, the GM, is going to be willing to do it. He's very conservative, and I question whether or not he has the balls to pull off a lot of big trades, big moves. He did it once with DeForest Buckner, but outside of that, we haven't seen a lot of those type of moves. Um, so I question that a little bit, but yeah, Jim, Jim Irsay sounds like the type that he's willing to give up a lot to go give, get Aaron Rodgers because the roster's ready to win. Now. I'll say this as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I, I, as much as the dream is that you know we can bring Aaron Rodgers in and miss the the next decade of mediocrity that the Steelers are about to be stuck with. 
I think if the Colts can find a way to land Aaron Rodgers, who's stopping them? You, you get a good off season where they can bring back their healthy offensive line. I think the healthy offensive line yeah. in Indy is the best offensive line in the NFL. Quentin when Nelson when is healthy, the, yes. yeah. Quentin Nelson is the best offensive tackle in the league. Well, he uh, is he, 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 he he he's a guard, not a tackle. Um, the Colts probably need to move on from Eric Fisher and find. Uh, a, a new often uh left offense to tackle for the team. Um, so I think so so they're missing that they, they they could use an upgrade at cornerback and then they they have to get another wide receiver a guy that can win one on one. Obviously, then that begs the question: If they get Aaron Rodgers, could yeah. they pull Devontae Adams? The Colts have a lot of cap space, so it is possible. I think the other thing with the Colts as well is. It's not only the offensive line that we saw with injuries. I mean, outside of Michael Pittman, every single receiver in that core dealt with injury all year. I mean, Paris Campbell hasn't been able to stay healthy since he got drafted. And I mean, when we do see him play, Mm -hmm. he is a very, very solid slot receiver, kind of like a guy I would compare to like a a Curtis Samuel when he's healthy, where he's kind of like the Swiss Army knife guy where you could throw him into like a sweep jet you could throw him into the slot like he's very quick i think that's something that rogers would be able to pick up on really well and then again michael pittman's six foot four super great at the high point and he's kind of like a guy that he's not quite like a michael thomas but he's a really good short to intermediate slant route runner that Mm -hmm. I think Rodgers, I mean, you see what Rodgers did with Adams his entire career. It didn't have to be a deep ball for him to cook you. And I think I can see Rodgers and Michael Pittman having themselves a really good kind of rapport. Again, I think Paris Campbell could be used well. And I mean, again, they got the best running back in football. Jonathan Taylor is absolutely electric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll move on from that for now. We're going to wrap things up today. Just kind of mentioning tom brady a little bit as it's official now that he has retired appreciate the goat for everything he did as much as i don't want to say tom brady's the goat he's he's undisputably the goat yeah what seven six or seven is it six or seven super bowls six wins yeah anyways i just want to run through a couple of his career stats just to kind of give everyone an idea of how much he's done uh over eight eighty four thousand passing yards over 22 seasons over 22 seasons yeah talking 35 yards a year yep 624 career touchdowns he had a season where he had 50 touchdowns the last season of his career he threw for more passing yards than any other season in his career 5316 passing yards across 17 games he had one other season with 5200 yards passing a career completion percentage of 64%, which is really, really solid. And he averaged less than 10 interceptions a season. Unbelievable stat line. Um, and yeah, just a great career for what who is clearly the best player to have ever played in the NFL. Other than that, that's it for the What's My Play Sports podcast today. Have a good one and tune in next week. Thank you. Have a great one.